Hello, Amanda Pereira here, the host of the Liquid Courage podcast. Happy Wednesday, everyone. I am especially happy today because two very exciting things are happening today. Number one, season two of the Liquid Courage podcast has officially begun here with the release of this episode. If you're hearing me right now, you're listening to this episode. And for that, I am so, so thankful. And number two, the podcast Patreon has also launched today. We are officially live on Patreon. Patreon is a subscription-based platform that allows you to support your favorite artists and gain access to exclusive perks in doing so. There are a bunch of different subscription options for you, starting at as low as a few dollars a month. And I put a lot of thought into what I can offer you in return for supporting the show. So if you have a second, I would really appreciate you heading over to patreon.com slash liquidcouragepodcast and just seeing if any of the options there perk your interest a bit. If you're having trouble finding my Patreon page for whatever reason, head over to the podcast Instagram account at liquidcouragepodcast or to liquidcouragepodcast.com and you can find a link to it there. All right, now on to the episode. Cheers. Welcome to Liquid Courage, the podcast where I, Amanda Pereira, sit down with a fellow artist that I admire and ask them the questions I've never had the guts to ask them before. Sounds scary? Well, it is. So I use a little liquid courage in the form of their favorite drink. We cheers, chat, and connect as I attempt to soak up all the wisdom they have to offer. Today I sit down with Alia Razul and we drink some Seven Oaks Cabernet Sauvignon by J-Lore. I might be saying that wrong. Alia is a Canadian Comedy Award nominated writer and performer and a founding member of the Tita Collective, an all-Filipina award-winning ensemble of multidisciplinary artists based in Toronto. She is an alumni of the Second City Conservatory and the Bob Curry Fellowship programs and understudied two seasons of the award-winning She the People. In addition to performing, Alia works as a studio and project manager at Bespoke Cultural Collective and is the current project lead for Our Cities on Our Stages, Bad Dog Theatre's annual inclusion and diversity symposium. This April, Alia debuted her first published book of poetry, Super Important Filipina Thoughts, which is available right now for purchase. So Alia is an artist and someone I admire immensely. All right. Hi, Alia. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I have to say I am parched. Like I'm so excited to drink this wine and I don't know if it's, I've been smelling it, but it smells so good that I feel like I haven't had a drink in a year. Like I'm so thirsty. How did you find this? I thought it was Lord of the Rings, like Jay, <laughs> but I thought it was when you messaged me. That's so kind of all- why I like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I've been thinking about. So how did you discover this wine? Well, a few years ago, a friend of mine ordered it at a restaurant and I just never heard of it. And I tasted it and it's like, oh, it tastes exactly what I always, you know, when you crave wine, mm. like, and cr- wine tastes like a million different things right so but I'm like no this matches exactly and so for me I'm very like loyal to a thing if I like something very loyal to it so now when I get red wine it's always J-Lore J-Lore it's like J-Law or J-Law or the Rings like all of those things wonderful wines do taste like a million different things when I was a kid I thought just wine tasted like wine like I didn't realize or beer beer tastes like beer 
but I don't always want to invest in a whole bottle if I don't know what it tastes like. So I just take suggestions all the time. And actually I've the only red wine I've been drinking now is I had cocoa on the podcast and she Ooh. wanted to drink uh, red wine by apothic red or apothic. Oh, wine. that's oh good God. too. That's yes. good too. That's all I've been drinking yes. now. Cause I'm like, I like it. I'm sticking to it. Well, Cheers, Alia. Thank you so much for being here Cheers. virtually with me today. I'm so excited to try this. I'm taste. Okay. I was very aware as I'm tasting it. Like, who do I think I am? Like, I was like holding <laughs> it in my mouth. I'm like, what am I? It tastes like great. It. Yeah. I'm swirling yeah. it. I spit it out a little bit. No, I didn't spit it out. Um, it tastes like very smooth and light. Yeah. It tastes like for me, it's kind of like jammy a little bit, which is, mm -hmm. I like that. It feels a little bit like a treat. And I like when it's when like the, I'm going to go for the word depth of it, it. like stays yes. in the mouth a little bit. Yeah. 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 It's like when you yeah. eat chocolate and you first suck on it and then you eat it. And then afterwards you're like, I still taste a little bit of chocolate. Yeah. It finishes. The finish is quite oh. elegant. Oh, it is quite <laughs> elegant. And how fitting for us elegant gals here today. First of all, I am a big fan of you on Instagram, of you in person, but like in the last more than year, it's just my only exposure to you has been online, your Instagram and Facebook. I'm not a fan of many people's Facebooks. Like I just don't <laughs> notice it, but I have saved more things from your Facebook and Instagram than I think anybody else. A big fan. That's high praise. High praise. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, on it too much. So that makes me feel good. I literally had a friend be like, do you want to go for a walk? Because I just noticed you're on social media a lot. And I'm like, noted. <laughs> That's a really good friend. I feel like I'm not helping it because I'm like, no, no, I love what you're putting out there. Like, keep put out more. And your friend's like, no, no, thank no. You, please tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> no, that friend is exiled. So yes. <laughs> yeah, that was the last walk we ever went on. I broke yeah. up with them. And now I, I blocked them and unfollowed. And now we're only online. Um, well, I've been seeing on your Instagram that you've been posting, like some days you've been posting tarot cards of the day. Mm -hmm. Loving, loving as somebody who's owned a tarot deck for way too many years. <laughs> I wish I was a witch, like, and I don't know how to read them. So I was hoping, I know you do tarot card and Oracle readings for creative inspiration and healing. And I was wondering if we pick a card today, if you could tell me what it means and it could kind of inspire our conversation today. Oh, sure. Okay, sure. Are you picking the card? Well, I have a deck and I was like, it, it wasn't until two minutes before we signed on that I realized, wait, how the fuck do we do this? And you know <laughs> stuff. How do we do this that it's legit? Because you have to pick the card, don't you? Look at me right yeah, now. I, I guess look I'll like pick one. I mean, okay. whatever's meant to be is meant to be. Oh my God. First wisdom nugget of the conversation. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Alia, that's where I'm at right now. That like, whatever will be, will be. I'm just like, huh, now I won't cry. Okay. I love this. So maybe, maybe if I slowly drop them in my hand and then you tell me when to stop. Okay. I love that. Okay. Here we All go. Right. They're going to drop like a Who? All right. stop. Okay. So this card, here we go. We got queen of cups. What is queen that? of cups? Oh, that's a good one. So, <gasps> I mean, let's see. I haven't quite memorized tarot, but my first, first instinct well, first of all, Queen of Cups, it's like liquid courage. <gasps> Hello. We are both a Queen of Cups, but like uh, Cups too is like wealth, right? It's sort of, you know, abundance. So I really, really resonate with that word because like I keep thinking about abundance, abundance thinking and versus scarcity thinking. Yeah. And that's sort of like where I'm at right now. It's like um, 
how to be generous, like being generous and having a generous spirit takes a lot of work. Mm. So you need to make sure that, you know, you're well rested, you're in a good place to continue to like give to your community. And Mm. so that, that requires so much work because you need to like, A, make sure you're, you make sure that you're like in a mentally good place and an emotionally good place and a physically good place to maintain a giving spirit. And we need a giving spirit. And as artists, too, because you and I both live in Toronto and the culture here is very, like, competitive and scarcity, Mm -hmm. like, very scarcity thinking forward, where, like, people don't really aren't as generous with, they're kind of protective over their contacts and their, you know, and so that I think that really hurts us as a community. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think it's just all of 2021 is, like, the more we can do to, like, make sure that everyone has what they need. It's actually really funny because I've been thinking about, you know, the Forbes list of billionaires. I think about billionaires a lot and how like they've accumulated so much wealth. We've got a lot of billionaires who are like, they're doing space tourism right now, but we can't even take care of like our neighbors. The planet we're on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like there are people who are like space tourism, but and it costs billions of dollars to do it but we can't even take care of our neighbors to make sure they have like food and like a home to live. So for me, like Queen of Cups is such an apt card for 2021. And especially where we are, where like we just came from this sort of like year, like this reckoning, year of reckoning and like all of sort of these structures kind of crumbling around us. And for us, our, our goal is to make sure that we remember the lessons that we had from the last year, you know, and make sure that like, capitalism and colonialism and all of those things scarcity thinking like they don't come back into our world and just you know so resist resist that (laughs) queen of cups and I wonder like to have more of a generous spirit like I think sometimes too there's the worry that if you have the generous spirit you're going to be left empty-handed because it's hard to trust that someone else will have that. If you have someone else's back, are they going to have your back? Collectively, it ends up making it that everyone's very lonely. Everyone's very isolated. Everyone just has to look out for themselves. It's easy to get very jaded and be generous once, generous twice, generous a third time and find out, oh, nothing's coming back and you feel depleted. Like how, how do you maintain your generous spirit without or while making sure that you are giving enough to yourself as well and not feeling jaded or depleted by the process? Yeah, that's a really good question. Well, I mean, a part of maintaining a generous spirit is having very healthy boundaries, right? And like healthy boundaries for me, like I'm 33 and I really have only learned how to draw boundaries in the last year. Um, And it took a lot of hard knocks and therapy to really like get to a point where, oh, this is what I'm okay with. And this is what I'm not okay with. And this is what I want out of life. So I think in terms of generosity and community and all of that, like, of course, there are people who are going to want to take advantage. And just because you say, hey, (laughs) you've taken advantage and, um, I'm feeling depleted. So, you know, closing up shop for now, but you know, there's going to be a point one day where I'm going to feel generous to you again, or maybe we can figure something out. It's all about like maintaining and like maintaining isn't like constantly giving. It's sort of like, okay, well, my well is empty. I have to fill it, but then, you know, once it's full, I'm going to be ready to give again. Mm -hmm. Like an ebb and flow of checking in where you are and 
Yeah. 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 And like, we're always like, as humans, like some of, sometimes we're at a place where everything is bright and sunshine. And sometimes I can't even get out of bed. And so I think for us getting into sort of this habit of like the people who can give or at the, or who are at the place because, you know, mentally, socially, in terms of privilege, they're, they're in a place that they can give, that they will give. But then when folks like who receive and then get to a point where they can give, then they also give. So it's like, it comes back and forth and then once in a while yes of course there are people who take advantage um and they're different <laughs> they're different <laughs> like sort of uh, uh uh strategies for them right so it's it's i think so for example if it's a friend of mine who's taking advantage of me then it's my community it's not just me it's my community's job to help me tell that friend being like hey you're not cool you know so we have to come at things as a collective mm -hmm. right so it's so hard for me to not see boundaries as equaling selfishness, like mm. as not equaling rejecting somebody, abandoning them, leaving them out in the cold per se. You know what I mean? But I think that's also just, we're not really, boundaries are not really taught in a positive way very much. And it's only when I started practicing, like putting into practice, just dipping my toe and like, oh, maybe I put up a boundary here and here. Like, wow, I'm yeah. such a better friend right now. I'm such a better partner. Like I am such a better person to other people. What are your experiences with implementing new boundaries and sort of like testing those waters? What do you do when there's pushback from that, from people that you care about? Ooh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's really interesting because I've had, I've just had a series of conversations with people I care about where I had to draw boundaries with them. And the mm -hmm. thing is like, when you're in a community with someone you're kind of committed to them right so especially if they're friends and or your family so so it's always the conversation is never like our relationship hinges on on the results of this conversation for me it's like listen i love you i'm committed to this friendship and i want to be your friend but this is a thing that we need to work through right so i'm going to try to communicate my needs as best as possible. And I'm going to try to listen as much as possible. And if we're at an impasse right now, then maybe like as friends, we need to take a break. But remember, I'm committed to you. So this is for people that obviously like you're committed to, mm. you know, because mm -hmm. for me, like there are a lot of people too are like, you know what, I'm not that committed to you. And like on a regular basis, you kind of take energy from me. So I'm like, I'm going to put a pause on you for now. Mm -hmm. Um be well <laughs> don't get me wrong I'm not like you know I don't want to hold a like growing up like I, I could be a really really petty person and that's mm. exhausting to be a petty person um you know and that's a whole other thing like having a really good relationship with your ego and why your ego is needs what it needs that's a whole different thing but mm -hmm. like there are people that I'm like oh my gosh I thrive on being petty <laughs> so so they are very far away from me because <laughs> they bring out a dark side of me um but that's a part of it too like there are people who you know I guess like they kind of are like vampiric right like they just take 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 and then being around them makes me feel like I can't be generous so so that's a hard decision that you're gonna have to make be like if you're committed to that person then be like hey being around you is really hard and it's really messing up my flow. So since if you're committed to them, have that conversation, but if not, then save your energy and 
say bye, mute that person. I mute a lot of people on social media, to be honest. This is the first year I started doing it. Also, sometimes it's just people where I'm like, I mean, some of it, they're not following COVID rules. I'm like, I can't, like at this point, I can't, I can't, but also some people, you know, it's like, oh, I want to, I want to follow you because I think that, I don't know, that's a whole thing I've been thinking about lately. Like, shouldn't my Instagram, my Instagram isn't like a Rolodex of who I care about. My Instagram is a curated online atmosphere. So who do I want? Like what, what content do I want to be seeing? It has nothing to do with who do I want to be in contact with? Yeah. But a lot of people see it like a, maybe what Facebook started as, which is like a networking, like, yeah, you know what, like a social. So I'm not deleting you from my phone, but I know there are some people that I know if I unfriended them, it would mean some unfriended. See, like, look, it's just yeah, unfollow. <laughs> but like, if I cut them out of my Instagram life, yeah, that that would mean more to them than it means to me. So sometimes I've just been muting people because I'm like, sometimes other voices are, I want to hear those more right now. You know, you, you mentioned being around people and maybe they're vampiric. One thing I've been trying to do is reflect on like how, especially now when I'm not physically around people yeah, thinking, how do I feel about myself? And how do I feel in my body when I'm around that person? Yeah. Like that's an indicator of how you feel on a cellular level and an emotional level around people. And I'm just trying to follow the people that make me feel good instead of the people that I'm trying to convince that I'm good, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Everything you just said. Yes. <laughs> Praise it's so to that. It's so hard. It's so it is hard. hard. It is hard. And that for me, like, protect, protect that Instagram, protect that Instagram. But like, you're so for me, like Instagram is also kind of like uh, a way to connect with other people who care about the things that you care about. Right. Mm -hmm. So I never, so when I started my Instagram, obviously you just follow all your friends. Yeah, of course. But then I started the Tita collective Instagram and with the Tita collective Instagram, I intentionally followed folks who are doing like um, uplifting things specifically like Filipina and voice. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was amazed because like, then I'm connecting with like Filipinas in the UK and the U S doing really cool things. And it felt, it started to feel, this was back in the day where like having meeting friends on, on the internet is still kind of like, okay, like we're all on Instagram. It can be friends, but it wasn't like quite as normal as it is now. Right. Right. It was, it was amazing. And then like, you really get to see things that you care about, but in like other people's perspectives. And that's so important. Like, I feel like people should at least start <laughs> a second Instagram account to see what that's like. <laughs> the one you want, the one you have to do. And then you can start one, like a curiosity yeah. Instagram account, you know, like, I'm just, what if I was interested in this? Because also that Instagram algorithm, Facebook algorithm, whatever that shit works. If you start following a certain kind of account, they will suggest those other accounts. And if you're keeping Joe from Woodbridge and you don't like Joe, but he's your cousin's best friend's brother's (laughs) son. And you're like, damn it. But Joe would be so hurt, but Joe isn't the kind of person I want to be hearing things from. Like that algorithm's going to listen to you. Yep. One of my favorite things that I've done is uh, with um, my friend Anesti, who's like another comedian that we know and is a neighbor of mine, is a good friend of mine. We live very close to each other and our neighborhood is like Lower Court. 
Um, so we started a Bloor Court Instagram, and we were only connected to the, the shops and the business owners of this very specific. It's literally like from Dufferin to Montrose. Right? I saw on the Instagram, Pitch, right? like it lists how far, and I'm like, that is so cute and niche. Like, this is perfect. It's so small, but that's that's like a, as big as my world is. Like, it's the internet mm-hmm. and then Bloor Court, right? So we started doing that just as a lark, really. <laughs> and um and but it's so nice because like now we we go into like a coffee shop and they know who we are we're like you're you're the people from the instagram right and we're like yeah you're the floor um, court friends you're the for the floor court friends totally. i can't say floor court without questioning if i said it right Blur it's court. it's one of those floor court it's like too many o's in there yeah i don't want to say floor court or or floor court floor court Blur yeah court. I'm like, yeah. what the? I said it the first time. I'm like, oh my God, I fucked that up. And I know those two words. Oh my God. Yeah. So you're famous in your neighborhood. Well, <laughs> sure. <laughs> As the goofs who go on like Instagram and take photos of their pandemic walks. <laughs> Honestly, it's kind of nice. I love, I love following you in Anesti and your adventures, like taking pictures at cute um, graffiti <laughs> art and like, no, it's nice. I don't know. And it's, it's consistent. Thank you for your consistent content. Cause it's very, Thanks. it's very, um, it's very comforting. Also love Anesti. Both of you have such like lovely, positive vibes. I was, I try and like dress inspired by my guests. And I was like, oh, Alia, like I have to dress in like bright color. I mean, I wore yellow for your book, but I thought I like, would have worn yellow today. You know what? I, but I just wore it like in a thing yesterday. And I'm like, <laughs> I only have one yellow hoodie. I need to get something else yeah. yellow. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I can't wear the, ex- well, that's zoom meetings. There's only certain things. And thank God it's just tops. I mean, every recording I'm wearing the same sweatpants. Like I'm not, there's nothing else that I'm going to wear on the bottom. It's not happening. Um, but no, that. you, you're just like a ray of sunshine like you really are just such a lovely energy and so we met back when we were both doing second city conservatory oh yeah which was like we were in the same the same um cast but i think we were like one apart like we were right beside each other so we had a lot of shows and stuff together and i think that was like i was trying to think i think that was like six years ago no was it no i'm pretty sure yes because i'm pretty sure we were 2015 to 2016. I know, which also feels pathetic that I have always been so intimidated by you and always, what? I swear. What are you talking about? Okay, the six years, I wanted that to be fake because I felt pathetic because this is our <laughs> first like real, I mean, first of all, this is our first one-on-one conversation ever. That's true. Which is stupid on my part because I don't know why I didn't. Like I have, okay, so I've always been intimidated by you. I think you are so, I'm intimidated because of, how freaking talented I think you are and how like thoughtful and brave your moral compass is. I just think you are <laughs> so wonderful. And I find myself when I'm around you, like, I'm like, I want her to like me. I want her to think I'm cool. And I don't want to disappoint her and anything I say. So it's a stupid amount of pressure. So then I don't put myself in situations. Like I'm, I don't reach out and say, do you want to grab a coffee? Do you want to grab a beer? I want to get to know you because I'm like, oh, no, not today. I don't want to risk it. I'm not ready for my audition, which is so fucked up selfishly I'm really happy that you're here today because my mind is blown I'm pretty sure in all those situations like even in con I used to be like 
whoa, Ned is so cool. I'm such a nerd. <laughs> what are you even talking about, Amanda? <laughs> like, this is the stuff that pisses me off because I think to myself, like, why waste six years of a potential like friendship or something with somebody? Because and best case scenario, they thought you were great too. Worst case, they don't know who you are. Big deal. Like, what does that have? You know, anyway, but the six years was a big thing. I'm wondering when you started out um, in comedy and in performing, was there anyone in the community that like really intimidated you at the beginning? Oh my goodness. So many people. Cause I was such a shy, like I am, I am like just naturally a shy person, like a lot of like social anxiety and stuff, but um what knocked me out of that was uh, like, I guess like if you're in hospitality, like you work in restaurants and coffee shops, you kind of learn how to be, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you kind of start, like you kind of get used to like talking to strangers. Um, and then like within the restaurant, like I became a general manager and then you have to manage people. So you, you learn, you learn like to have this sort of like, it's not like a, a facade, but it kind of is, right? Um, but like I I'm I'm like a very shy and awkward person, really. But one thing, um, one thing I think like as soon as I turn 30, and I know a lot of people say this, but I like you just sort of like care less about whether they like <laughs> you or not. I do wonder, yeah. I do what I always wonder. I think before when I was younger, I'm like, oh man, people have to like me because. Mm then why am I here kind of thing Mm. but now the big change is like maybe they don't like me but I'm here because I have to do this specific thing you know Mm -hmm. so that's what changes and like being and you know like it's funny you talk about like there are a lot of people who are like I want to know you there's something but like the opportunity just hasn't Mm -hmm. risen up and I just kind of like you know what put it to the universe like one day like and it's going to be the right time for that friendship. So I also feel like trust, trust yourself too, right? Because like, I think everyone has this intuition, a lot of the things that you kind of beautifully put it when you're like, okay, how does this person make me feel? It's like really tapping into that intuition. And that's something I'm really learning for myself too. But it's like, sometimes you're like, it's not the right time. Mm-hmm. It's not the right time. So. And maybe yeah. even not the right time, like where you're at in your life. I think some people I might've chased or wanted approval from, from like past, like past dynamics that I wish turned out differently. Like, you know, there's that, there's that thing that as a child, you'll, if, if you have like a dynamic or relationship that didn't quite work out the way you wanted, or like a first love or something that you sort of then put yourself in places to, (laughs) like to replicate that exact dynamic to hope for a different outcome. And I look at some people that even before COVID like that, I thought, oh my God, I want them to like me or do they like me? Or I felt that like wanting that validation or approval. And I'm happy that I didn't have the opportunity to run into them because I thought, ooh, Amanda, like you were not in a place because you would have gone in and just lost yourself. Like you're, you're just going after that because Joe from Woodbridge over here fucked you up. I don't know a Joe from Woodbridge, but like just a metaphorical Joe from Woodbridge. We hate Joe from Woodbridge. Fuck Joe from Woodbridge. Not a good person. (laughs) Not a good person. Not a good energy. No, horrible Um, energy. (laughs) But oh yeah, I didn't answer your question. So person Mm, who intimidated mm me, a few actually. So, I mean, I yeah. One of them is Kirsten Rasmussen. 
who has been a teacher and I've worked with since and is like, I would consider a friend now, but in the beginning, especially when you're starting, it's like, oh, Kirsten Rasmussen is like the funniest person in all of Toronto. Because like Kirsten Rasmussen too was like the first, um, was part of the Catch a Catch 23 that I saw, which is like a Catch 23 is like that Friday regular show at Comedy Bar. Um, also at Bloor Court. <laughs> um, <laughs> Everything's at Bloor Court. <laughs> Everything Bloor is Bloor at Bloor Court. Bloor Court. Um, but yeah, like she, I, never seen improv before and like she killed it in a in a way that only Kirsten Rasmussen can you know and it made me curious about improv so that's sort of you know obviously there are many elements like I wanted to get I wanted to be more um I had a lot of stage fright and like fear of public speaking so I was like well this is a problem we need to fix <laughs> so I checked out Toastmasters which you have mm-hmm. to write a speech I'm like that's too much work <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and they count every time you say um you know and I'm like that is a lot of pressure no, that's a bit too like military style that I would crumble that's not a good, no yeah I was like nope not this is not my vibe so I joined I took a, a foundations class and it took me a lot <laughs> I remember the first time I met Kirsten Rasmussen I'm like sorry Kirsten if you're <laughs> like talking so much about you but um Oh my God. That's okay. I hope so. I hope we're manifesting her coming <laughs> on the show. I fucking love her. Okay, I'm yeah. so intimidated by her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, she is intimidating, <laughs> but like, I remember, um, I think cause she, she was like at, on second city main stage around the time that I started. And then like, you know, sometimes they hang out at comedy bar after their set, like the cool kids. <laughs> and so she was like walking out of the the bar and I was kind of like had a little bit of it wasn't jailer but it was for sure red wine um <laughs> and I was like I was like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it I feel like Kirsten Rasmussen like you're like I'm so inspired anyway just like this awkward two in the morning you like know little love rant. speech little proclamation of like love love speech and she was just like oh <laughs> And then I ran away. <laughs> you made it seem like she was like, oh, that's from a cartoon. I, someone has, maybe that's Simpsons or something where they just slowly go back into the bush. Like they just slowly. <laughs> that was even weird. I, I was like, <laughs> I was aggressively like fandoming over her. So I wouldn't blame her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she probably yeah. was like, wow, thank you so much. But just in your mind afterwards you were like and then she ran away or then she just like nothing no reaction and I died in the on the spot it's scary to do that no she absolutely and I should say like asking this question is also a bit unfair because there are so many talented human beings in Toronto so many yeah as soon as you enter the comedy scene and you start performing a little bit like to start seeing everybody you could list 50 people that you would be more that you would be like intimidated and in awe of oh she's such a good one she's one of mine too yeah and uh what another one a big one is coco galore who you said that you've already had big one i was super intimidated by coco because like you know you meet coco and she has this like she knows she knows who she is and it's Mm -hmm. just so powerful and it's like for me um you know we always talk about like the work right like and sort of like having an understanding of who you are and like you know being a good steward of your own energy and like understanding anti-oppression and learn you know so mm-hmm. a lot, uh, so 
So she had accurately assessed that I wasn't quite advanced in the work. <laughs> we talk about this. <laughs> we're like good friends now. And I'm like, yeah, you were right. Yep, you were right. She's like, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I was just waiting for you to shift. So that's the other thing too, right? Like it's, <laughs> you know, sometimes you're like, yeah, you're kind of, you're not ripe yet. <laughs> we'll wait for you. Yeah. We'll wait for you, but. There's a little you know, green so. tomato waiting for you to, waiting for you to grow red. Coco has such a, I think I might've said this to her too, that she just has such a powerful presence and she doesn't mm-hmm. need to do, she just, she sits in who she is and knows her worth. And, you know, sometimes I think like, and I don't know if other people are intimidated by her, but we found two of us that it's sort of sad to me that that's intimidating because I would wish, I would hope that for everybody, like I would hope that everybody gets, is able to be in a place where they mm-hmm. can sit in who they are, that it wouldn't be, it wouldn't differentiate us so much that it's so clear that she is exactly where like, you know, ideally all of us are. Yeah. But it's magnetic. Like it pulls you in. It makes you want to be better for yourself. It's like, yes. Yeah. No, that's like a really, yeah, that's, that's also really interesting because we're in such an interesting time where I feel like pe- the way people are starting to look at things and the way they're starting to talk about themselves and you know even boundary setting like that's a thing that my parents didn't do things like that like they didn't do things like that um I think yeah I think like having like a really good understanding of like why you do what you do is actually such hard work that a lot of us can move through this life never doing right and it Mm -hmm. and it makes it makes it so difficult to be friends with someone who doesn't understand why they do what they do right because then you know their anger can come out from nowhere and that you know has nothing to do with what you're talking about it's just something that's from the past or maybe they've let something slide for so long because they didn't feel empowered to like advocate for themselves then they just burst so it's um yeah and for me I'm kind of like I remember I remember this one time at Bad Dog feeling so like not in my power Hmm. and her being so in hers and for me I'm kind of like how do I get there so like I think in in part like yes it's an intimidating but I think I think like we're shift we're shifting I think before well it still happens in the world where people see like powerful women and want to tear them down and be like feel entitled to like why do they feel so powerful you know why Hmm. do they look so powerful but I think now we're like kind of hopefully raising a generation of folks who are like that person's powerful how do I become like that yeah. and again that's like again that's that's abundance thinking right exactly so it's sort that's of the like scarcity thing abundance absolutely again yeah 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 it's less about like you know especially in in our in, in our work it's like oh how did they get that show and how did they it's like okay they got that show how how do I get what they have if they can get that I can get that too instead of like instead of like that show sucks I'm gonna do everything I can to tear down that show do you know what I mean I'm like yeah. that show so it happens though and it's like not necessary it's it's more for people to like I don't know satisfy their ego and less about what they actually want like I actually don't think people want to do that it just feels good at the time mm-hmm. to do it yeah it's like a you know like immediate release kind of thing. Like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. And their first response instead of thinking and not to judge or criticize or like blanket statement this, but 
if you're, if you're feeling uncomfortable instead of immediately being like, Oh my God, how do I get out of this? Just sitting and being curious about it. Why is this making me feel uncomfortable? Or why do I want to tear down this show? It's like, you know, when you go to shows and someone makes a comment about like, nah, it was kind of mediocre. And I think like, how much work went into that? Did you do that? No, we sat on our ass. Like, how about we appreciate that? And how about things don't need to be like, it's expecting all these things to be polished and perfect for them to be valid or to, to, yeah, to deserve to exist. And it's really frustrating. I think, you know, it's like, and I'm using this completely as an example with no context, but like the broad city TV show, right? People can rave. Mm -hmm. I love broad city. So people can rave about broad city TV show. Were they raving about the web series? I have no idea, but I could see people. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen the web series. So I have no idea. It's why I'm using this Mm -hmm. for zero context (laughs) is like people could see that and tear it down but then as soon as it's a tv show then people are like oh here's the legitimacy and i think valuing the work that people are putting in and the process of it is just as valid as seeing something that's perfect and saying oh my god now i can say it's good it really is just it's like if you're not also doing the work and trying i don't think you get a comment on it i don't know unless it's a great fucking job that was awesome you don't get to comment yeah. unless you're also doing it because you don't know what goes into it. And it just, yeah, that's a boundary I'm setting. I'm like, no, well, <laughs> that's like, just to bring, like, I have kind of like personally too, mm-hmm. right? I think going through the conservatory program mm-hmm. and then doing a, but like a few friend shows and stuff. And then usually like the next step is to get a TV show or like get in a writer's room, get a few commercials and there was a point where at the end of conservatory and like when, you know, people were starting to get hired by Second City, there's a point where it's like, well, why didn't I get it, you know? Um, and I really, did, I went there. I'm like, oh, someone would get a job at a TV show. And I'm like, well, why did they uh, they get it? And I didn't. And for me, like, I, I look back at that now and I'm like, it's, I'm like, Alia, you wouldn't even want to work. Like, you don't even want to work on TV. <laughs> It doesn't matter if it's something you would actually want. You just want people to want you to do it. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. You're like, why didn't I get hired? Why didn't I get hired as the fucking, I don't know, accountant at this firm? And I'm like, I have no interest, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. But but that has to come from, that helps though. (laughs) I think that helps. Like (laughs) just, well, what do you want? You know? So I, I actually did this kind of grim exercise where you, you know like those those uh those charts that are like how many like how many weeks you have left in your life or whatever this is <laughs> no. very grim exercise where I made an excel sheet yeah and it's already like a terrible thing if you're starting like my life and then you're pulling up an excel sheet and you're like okay, Allie, I have to say though that is like that is what I do like I have so okay I'm glad okay sheets. no I have <laughs> so many and I'm so proud of them sometimes I just go into my one for the podcast and I just play like I just I just <laughs> test out algorithms no I love I'm on this okay like, what is this excel spreadsheet no I'm with you. I'm glad I'm glad I just belittle it so I can be more relatable to people but okay, I, I wasn't it. sure okay, if so- you were belittling yeah I didn't know if you loved it or if you were like no it's stupid and I and I was like you know what you have to say it because that's what this is yeah. about be brave I love excel spreadsheets okay I love that is it the bravest thing and I will <laughs> say like I love excel sheets I, love I do and I don't care um, who knows it they're literally Excel and PowerPoint. Yeah. Like I, I have a degree from a pretty good university. 
but none of my bosses cared. They were just like, can you make a PowerPoint? I'm like, yes, no, that's the secret yeah. right there. It's just through a degree. It's true. I'm like, you don't need a degree. Forget that debt. Um, Forget what do you that call it? debt. So, just buy Microsoft. <laughs> buy my, what is it? Microsoft World? I don't know. Like when you buy all of them together. Office. Office? office. Yes. Office. Just buy it. Not okay. an ad. Not a, no, they are not sponsors of the podcast. I wish <laughs> if Microsoft even just Excel, like if it was a branch and they, they sponsored this podcast, I would die happy. Speaking of dying happy back to your death Excel. Back, all right. Yeah. Okay. Death Excel. Death Excel. Right? I need so to know. I might make one. I basically don't. It's really sad. <laughs> so I like put sort of like a, a, a column, which is just like, these are the years that I have left. I think I'm going to die at this year. What year? <laughs> can I, I ask and you can pass? What year? I said 85. Okay. I said 85. Okay. Oh, 85. Okay. I'm like, for sure, maybe I wouldn't want to do pro art projects. Maybe. I'm not sure. I don't know. We, I was sure. like, let's reassess. Let's reassess. That's what I was going to say. You'll still love Excel at, at those ages. <laughs> so you can reassess at 80, at 75, whenever you want. Okay. Fabulous. For sure. You can grow and with then, you. Okay. I was like, okay, like, let's put all the projects we want to achieve each year, you know? And I just couldn't fit it all, the things I wanted to do. <laughs> I couldn't fit it all. I was like, because then it, the, 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 the formula suddenly was like, well, you can really do one big, big thing a year. That's 50 things. That's not a lot of things. And so a part of me was just like, well, why am I going to get sad about people doing well in other things that I'm like, I don't even have time for that. You're not, it's not even time. on the Excel and you're sad. Not and it's like, no, if you're not on the Excel, <laughs> if it's not on the Excel, you can't get disappointed. That is, no. that's a, I think that's really like even listing out, even if I don't list 50, if I list out like 15 things that I really, really want to do, mm -hmm. you're right. You, I mean, you can't reasonably get as much done in a year as you expect yourself to. I start feeling anxious about that. Like, oh, then I'll never be able to do all these things. Or I start thinking like, well, then I need to start doing it now because this year's are like, you know, I can start getting anxious yeah. about it. Yeah, well, I, I did. And sort of what I ended up doing was like, okay, you know what? All of the things that I listed all kind mm -hmm. of have the same, like they're all, ultimately I'm all about like, community storytelling will save our, the world, right? Like, that's all I care about. So, and, you know, and like uplifting women, all of my projects were that. So I'm kind of like, all right, maybe, maybe we don't be so prescriptive and just be <laughs> like, just move in that direction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just move in that direction. But also I think it was really like um, eye-opening to be like, you know, you should be, you should be picky. Out. Like you can afford to be picky. Mm you know? Mm -hmm. So, so what if one of them is like a seven year Lord of the Rings type trilogy? <laughs> That's yeah. going to take 10 of those years. <laughs> it's going to take a while. It's going to be 10 out of the 50 and you might be really happy about it or maybe not, yeah. but you might be really happy. You could drink your Lord of the Rings wine the whole time and yeah. know that like, <laughs> just be called J lore. I'm glad you said the name of it because when you messaged it to me, I, first of all, I read it like J Lord of the Rings, but then I read it like, and I was like, no, no, no J lore. And I thought, did I just brutal the name? Like, did I get it right? So I'm glad that you said it first so that I knew. <laughs> I don't know. This is what I've been calling right. it. So, you know, it's what it's called now. Well, <laughs> I've never called that. Judged. I'll call it that. If you're a bird, I'm yes. a bird. That was too intimate <laughs> of a reference, but like, that was the only reference I could think of. 
I love like, it's, it's so interesting that we keep coming back to like scarcity and abundance. Mm -hmm. I really think that is just like an underlying thread through so many, I mean, through like professionally, personally, spiritually, psychologically, like all of those things, it comes into play. I actually read this like funny thing, like so long ago, um, where it was like, people go to therapy to work through issues put on them by people who don't go to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, sometimes I dream about a place and some people, some people, this is not the case, but like, I dream of it sometimes where I'm like, what if everyone just was forced to go to therapy and they all got to pick their therapist? I mean, this isn't fair. Again, this is like people going to therapy to deal with the issues I'm putting on them now for having to go to therapy. Like it's, it's wrong, but I just think sometimes I'm totally with you that it's like, this isn't my shit. Like go work out this problem. I remember in high school dating this boy. I was a girl at the time. It's okay. We were both young. I felt weird saying I dated a boy, but like, I was, I was a kid too. Um, I had to, I had to preface. I was in high school. Thank you for clarifying. (laughs) But I was also high school age. I could have been older. Maybe I failed a bunch of grades. Okay. So we were both of legal appropriate age. And just anytime a boyfriend like got jealous, I remember instantly, and I would say it, I'd be like, I'm not doing anything that deserves to lose your trust. So this is your issue. So like, I'm not going to be dealing, we're not going to be having conversations about your jealousy in this, in these situations. Like you, you go work that out and I will work through you on relationship things. This isn't a relationship thing. This is a you thing. And like, I'm not working through this. Like, no. It's like, it gets tiring sometimes when you're like, stop putting your bullshit on this. I'm trying to work through, I have my own bullshit. Like I'm trying not to spill it on you. And it's reasonable that some of it gets spilt on people. But when there seems to be no effort to figure out what your bullshit is, I have very little patience for it spilling on me. Oh man, teenage Amanda really knew her stuff. (laughs) Teenage Amanda knew some things and other things very baby in her and that's okay <laughs> well teenage alia would have just like uh completely internalized all that yeah. stuff you yeah know? and i did for a long time i was like this must be my fault because mm-hmm. like everyone's you know like for me i'm like everyone's like a neutral you know mm. um but no i think i think yeah i think everyone should I think everyone should have therapy. Like, you know, like how everyone's kind of expected, not everyone has one, but everyone's kind of expected to have a family doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you just get there, that'd be so amazing because like mm-hmm. you really get to know yourself in a way that's like very satisfying. Mm-hmm. And that's my experience. So, yeah, no, I agree. And making it, making it accessible, like, I mean, and G- not that GPs are completely accessible, but even making yeah. it accessible, how GPs are, would be a nice start for people because there yeah. are a ton, a ton of boundaries to people accessing therapy. You know, like I feel yeah. so, so lucky that I'm able to access it the way in, in whatever, you know, situation that I am right now. And yeah, yeah. Like it's it. And a, I know like lots of people when I've, cause also, I think I've become that annoying person that like starts therapy and then fucking talks about therapy all the time. And I just love it. Yep. Yeah. Love me it. too. Yeah. Love it's it. like, yeah. And I think a lot of people have said like, oh, well, I can just work through it on my own or like, and I get it. And you can be so intelligent and so self-reflective. And there's just, I don't think that there is a substitute for having 
another person, like a therapist who is completely there for you, having another human being be on your side for an hour. Yeah. Life-changing. Like it just is. Yeah. Well, the other thing too, is like everyone expects their friends and family to be there to do mm-hmm. that work, which is unfair. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember having a, so there's a lot of stigma about men, talking about mental health or there was, it's getting better, I will say, but mm. there's a lot of stigma about mental health in the Filipino community. And I was, um, I was on this panel where I'm like, obviously talking about therapy as I do. <laughs> and um, the person next to me literally was like, yeah, but you know, you should go to your friends and family first because then they're not really your friends and family if they can't absorb that for you. Mm. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't agree. Like that's yeah. not fair. Like they have their own stuff too, you know? Yeah. Like it's also not fair to you. I think it's not yeah. fair. If I'm a friend, it's not fair to expect me to do it. And also I'm not equipped to do it. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not in a place to be able to do it. Even on my best day, I'm, I can't replace that. You can go to your friends for support and all those things, but I mean, even like you deserve better. You deserve better therapy than your friends are able to offer. That's just that, you know, like it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, this is really silly, but it's like, everyone's like, I'm going to get my hair professionally done, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, go get, go ask your friend to do it then. <laughs> That's crossing exactly. Your fingers, yeah. Crossing You're ask my your fingers to do your you. hair. Okay. <laughs> Cool. All right. No problem. You want your friends to do therapy? Let them cut your hair. Some friends yeah. will be better at it than others. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah. speaking of that, I just box dyed my hair for the first time this year. And oh. I was like, very, I, I, and to be honest, like I didn't go, it's not like I went big or went home. I went home. Like, I, I, like, I don't even, I can't tell if it's washed out yet. Like that's how similar it was to my hair that I'm not even sure if that's <laughs> anything, but I did notice for the first like two weeks. So I don't know if I'm just used to it or not. It was literally just like two shades darker than my hair. Like it, <laughs> I just was trying to give it, I have very um, thin hair and I was trying to give it some body with color. I don't know. I was bored. There's no reason. I don't need a reason. Um, but I was very <laughs> proud of myself that I box dyed it for the first time. And I know friends who have like box bleach dyed their hair. And yeah, that blows me away like I yeah. feel like they all deserve a standing ovation when that turns out because I yep. put brown on brown like and when you're going darker there's not you're not stripping the hair it's not like a huge yeah. risk you know but I did that for the first time and um I was quite impressed if I ever want to go lighter I'll go to someone but darker I'm like okay maybe I could do it's, this <laughs> yeah yeah I I did a I did like a red streak situation I, okay. I went through a phase a red streak situation like went through in a university red streak yeah I had a friend who was going to like um to hair school hmm. there, no there's a word for it I can't think of it is it an esthetician that's not uh, right that is I don't know. no no that's not right I'm thinking beauty school hair from Greece styling school beauty school I think beauty school yeah 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 uh and um so I would be like her test subject so She's like, you want to try this thing? I'm like, sure, why not? So I had, I had a bleach streak that I would dye different colors and it was red and purple for the most part. And I loved it. Don't get me wrong. I love it. And I, I am feeling that, okay. One of my guilty pleasures in this pandemic is watching Brad Mondo <laughs> videos. So Brad Mondo is his hairstylist who reacts to people 
doing hair stuff at home or hair stuff in general. And he's like this very like New York, like kind of, you know, has a has an empire or something. Has and an I empire. love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Sometimes people dye their hair all like all sorts of rainbow colors. And he's always like, I wouldn't do it that way. Oh my gosh. And then like it turns out beautiful. And he's like, I don't know why it turned out so good, but it's good. I can't and explain this, but it's perfect. I love it. Like I watching all those, you know, I might just end up with rainbow hair at the end <laughs> of this pandemic if it if it doesn't end soon. Like that is what's happening next for me. Like that was deadline. like project. Yeah, in yeah, that Excel, was project like, number two yeah, yeah, in yeah. my Excel sheet. Like for your birthday, like this next year, yeah, dye your hair rainbow hair. <laughs> <laughs> I actually know um a hair see now I'm even questioning the title hairstylist yeah hairstylist. okay great we haven't seen them in so long I know That's that why. thank you oh bless you see you make everything better that's what it is I haven't been to one in so long like do they exist anymore um yeah. the one that I go to see I follow her on Instagram. She is like so good. Maybe she's a hair colorist as well. She's so good at coloring mm. hair. And she does all these different like rainbow, like it can be little small streaks or she'll do it through. So beautiful. And I'm always looking at it. Like, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do like what I really would like to do right now. Cause I can't decide. I wanted to just go blonde again. Like I'm just feeling very restless. And so I wanted to just do half my head, like bleach blonde and half of it, just dark Brown like this yes. and just be like, who fucking yes. cares? I don't, you know who, what? what, what, why? I'm like, here for this. like, thank you. It's funny. Cause I'm saying it as if it's like the riskiest thing ever, but like, I'm an Excel spreadsheet girl. Like this is a risk for me, you know, but yes. row, yeah. <laughs> row H column three or two way around. half blonde or equals blonde plus Brown. That is my yeah. algorithm. No. Cause I, but like, I feel I've been going back and forth about this. Like for acting, I feel like I know I need to have some sort of consistent look because I can't afford to just keep getting new headshots all the time. Right. I also understand for my agent who is a beautiful angel goddess that like who I adore, I can't be like, Hey, I'm half blonde, half brunette. Put me in a, in a Rogers commercial. Like it's not going to happen. And she would probably say, who cares? You be you. Also though, I don't know. I go so back and forth. And then I'm like, who is pulling me into the, where am I getting cast in TV anyway? Does it matter? I don't know. I go so I back know. and forth. I see some casting things now that are like, have interesting looks. Mm, you know? mm -hmm. So I don't know. It is, but you know what? Working in casting, they, they say that, not even the casting director. I just mean like the person the, the CEO at Coca-Cola says, we want interesting looks. And then I'm like, <laughs> they have two freckles and that's interesting. Like, you know what I mean? They're like, give us interesting. And you get submissions with like, you know, things that people that society would deem interesting, just yeah. fetishize anything that's outside of like what they've decided is the norm, whatever. But then right. I'm like, okay, there's no hope in me dyeing my hair half blonde and half brown <laughs> because this person put stripes with polka dots and they're interesting and okay, great. Like it's a very, feels like a very small margin of what interesting is, you know? But then I think it's when you do those things that you magnetically pull the things that are meant for you towards you. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Totally. So I confused the totally. shit out of myself. So instead I just box dyed my hair the same color it is. <laughs> like that's, that was the risk. <laughs> well, it's glossy as hell and it's oh. looking full and awesome. Oh so, my God. Thank you, you know. so much. Well, I do want to ask you, I know you mentioned um, having stage fright and, and like nerves about performing. I actually, I was listening to, oh, again, I feel, I sound like a loser, but I was listening to a podcast you were on. um but you had mentioned that you had a lot of stage fright and that you could like never picture yourself as a stage performer or as a performer like always that you were interested in art but but performing seems sort of out of reach or like not not a possibility and you mentioned that you think you still have stage fright mind you this was 2020 so maybe it's changed but you mentioned (laughs) you think you (laughs) has anything changed since last year so many things and also nothing um you're mentioning you still feel like you have stage fright but you've just developed tools in order to manage it and i'm wondering what are those tools that you found that sort of help you with stage fright because i found i i have more stage fright now than i did in the beginning like it's building as I'm as time goes on, which is frustrating and confusing. Yeah. I hate it. It's I'm curious about that. That's interesting. Well, okay. Well, okay. To answer your question. Um, I mean, like we did, we did improv, right. And so improv actually is like really so, um, integral to like kind of that toolkit. Cause like one of the things that they teach you is sort of like to embrace failure And I think the thing that was really making me so scared of, there are many things that, you know, so first of all, like, just as a person, like, um, my brain will just go blank, you know, and that happens, like that happens, like, I think a lot of people have that. And so for me, it gets really scary when I like, like, I feel like I'm gonna let people down, if I don't deliver my part, and then that sort of gets everything gets compounded and then and then all those anxieties about like what if they don't like me and da 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 da. so for me like improv and then also like the practice of like performing and speaking uh really helped me be like um i messed up i tripped i'm gonna pick myself up again you know just pick yourself up again and and like there are there's an art form to like failing and picking yourself up again too like you do it enough times like you figure out a style to like you know you know how like Jennifer Lawrence like falls at the Oscars yeah and like she picks herself up again and it's the most charming thing because she has her way of being like and she's also Jennifer Lawrence don't be wrong like but still like I think getting for me to get to the point where I'm like oops (laughs) one like learn, learn, like find as as a performer, find that craft of like, how to like, what is the performance way or like your way of being like, sorry, and then moving on. Mm -hmm. Because I think an audience, an audience and actually anyone in a room will be like, yeah, people mess up. I get it. Um, The other thing, the, the thing that used to happen to me is like, if I failed, then it kind of like, you become so you know, stuck in that moment, then you literally can't do anything anymore. Um, And for me, it's sort of like advocating for yourself too, just like giving yourself a thing to be like, I messed up. All right, everyone, I'm going to take a breath. (laughs) And then maybe you, you know, just, I I think that that was practice. You know, I'm not going to say like, oh, you're going to decide to do that. That was practice. Um, And the, and the most important thing is like, it doesn't matter. 
If you like mess up and you can't figure out how to get out of it, just be like, I'm tapping out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm done. I'm yeah. out. I'm out. I'm done. Anyone want to? All right, cool. Like you can always walk away from a situation where you're like feeling trapped in. And knowing that actually makes me feel less stressed about it because the stakes are lower. Um, I actually like taught, I taught a workshop. Um, my mom does this thing where like I go visit and she's like, okay, you're going to teach my church people a workshop now. So I'm like, whatever. And it's always whatever I'm obsessed with at the time. So there was a time where I did like a recycling blog and my mom made me do a, a workshop about my recycling blog. And then the last time I was there, like, okay, you're going to teach people improv, public improv for public speaking. I'm like, fine. And it's my mom. I can't see no her. Of course. <laughs> Oh my God, that is so, the most amazing thing. So wait, so in the first one you were teaching people, were you teaching them about recycling? Like talking to them about yeah. recycling? That's fucking yeah. amazing. Oh my God, yeah. I would I would, I would, would pay to that workshop. Like I would love, <laughs> I would get so out my J-Lore and I will just sit on Zoom with you for that. Me and Anesti, I'll call up the Blorecore <laughs> friend and we'll just sit on Zoom. Okay, That's sorry, her. totally interrupted you. So you had to teach a workshop. First about so, recycling, but the next one was about <laughs> improv and public speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, and these are folks who are like in church, you know, they're kind of expected to go up and like speak and like, um, and, and my mom, like mom's in a Baptist church. So it's like kind of in the culture of that institution to be like, go and like testify and stuff, right? And we, uh, I don't know how, I didn't, I hadn't planned it because it's kind of like a sensitive thing to ask people like why what's making them so nervous right but it kind of just happened and um there are a group of folks who are like they're a community so it was kind of like a safer space anyway so a lot of the reasons why people were nervous about speaking was less about them and more about like well people are going to judge me you know, people are going to gossip about me, people, you know, and I'm kind of like a big part of that for me was just like, why are you in that space in the first place doing the thing that you're doing? If it's like a space where you're like, you don't feel safe and the people who are watching aren't going to like what you're going to say, then obviously you're going to feel anxious because like it's a, you're in a room full of people who don't want to hear what you have to say. So I've learned to be like, I'm not even... I'm going to exit <laughs> from this place, right? I'm going to exit from this place. Another thing is just like, it's also, it's not that, like, if you really care about the thing that you want to talk about, then rehearse it, right? Like for me, that's like a, a big thing. And so for, if, if I'm going to go speak at something and they don't give me the space and the, um, the tools for success, then that also makes me feel like I'm being exposed to like harm. So, you know, and that's like, especially as performers and, and you know, a lot of my work has to do with um, equity and inclusion comedy, which is this very specific niche thing in that work. And the key to that work is care and attention. You can't, there's no, there's no diversity program that's going to like, allow you to, to take a shortcut through that. It's literally care and attention and investment for years because people are carrying a lot of trauma, a lot of things. Um, they haven't had access to like the confidence that it takes to just like 
step into the center of attention and expect people to like what they have to say. So, you know, if you're going to do outreach or if you're going to put people who are, you know, who who have been like historically underrepresented, marginalized, and, if, and you know, as we see these days with a lot of this anti-Asian, anti-Black, anti-Indigenous hate, like, you know, this these things have existed in a lot of people when they walk into those like spaces to speak, they're thinking a lot of that is like, people are going to think I'm stupid. And if you're a racialized person, it's like, because I'm Asian, if you're a woman, because I'm an Asian woman, if you're like a fat Asian woman, because I'm a fat Asian woman, you know what I mean? So it's valid that people have those anxieties about public speaking. The way the comedy community was set up before was just like, well, you either cut it or you don't, you know? And so it was like the most privileged or the most talented, I guess. Like there's just some people who are like, you're really funny, that's true. But then you kind of let people who just didn't happen to have that, like kind of fall by the wayside. And the one thing that I learned is every single person has an amazing story to tell. And that's sort of like you mentioned, like my like my family videos and stuff. Um, my parents, my mom hates being on video. She hates being on video. My 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 dad loves it. <laughs> my dad is my dad loves Dad is loves born for the stage. Born for the He's screen. Born for the stage, but <laughs> just never put himself in that position because I think you know, being an artist was just not an option for him. But it doesn't mean their stories are not interesting. Right now, the only people, or for a very long time, the only people whose stories we heard are the people who were like confident, who had the loudest voices in the room. Mm -hmm. And and I think I think the world is shifting so that like when we're thinking of inclusivity, it's more like meeting people with the energy that they're at and like really taking the time to find what they need to make sure that their story shines. And that is a lot of work and investment, mm. you know, and that takes a lot of generosity on everyone's part. And that's why it's important that like everyone, it's like such, and that's the thing, it is hard work. Cause like we, we did this thing to the planet and we did this thing to our civilizations for hundreds of years and we have to undo it. And it's not gonna take like an equity workshop to do it. <laughs> Right. Doesn't take an hour on a Thursday morning to undo years <laughs> no. and years and years of an hour on Zoom on a Thursday morning. Yeah. I even forget what your question was. <laughs> oh yes, tools and strategies. Who cares? But That's yeah. fine. This but, was <laughs> but like tools and strategies, it really is like care and attention and mm. like really knowing why you want to be saying what you're saying to the people you're saying it to. And it's the, the main thing is like, again, like the main thing for me was like, like embrace failure, which is like the most like, here's a quote, embrace <laughs> failure, but it's true. Embrace failure, but also know why you want to do it. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do it for yourself, then it doesn't matter what they think. You know, if you believe in what you're going to say, it doesn't matter what they think. If you know your mind goes blank, I literally write, like just do everything you can. When my brother said this thing to me recently, and it's really, really like burrowed deep into my skull. And he's like, use everything in your, in your arsenal and like <laughs> think out of the box. Right. And so, and I was like, oh yeah, you're right. So for example, my brother is going to, 
<laughs> anyway, sorry, Rajik, but my brother's in university <laughs> and he's struggling with a course right now, like which mm. all of us mm-hmm. have struggled with a course. And he, my brother said to him, like, use whatever you have. And then my brother's like, well, what I have is my family. So we are oh. all doing his homework together. <gasps> oh my God. Which is like, Come but on. it's not a thing you think of, right? Like, yeah. It's not a thing you think of in university because in university, there's this thing like you're expected to do it on your own. Universities, like when you, you, it comes, but like, that's not true. Like no one, who made those rules up? No, you're a child also when you go to university. If like most of the time when you enter university, you are still a child. There's so much pressure and you're made to feel like you are capable of those or that you should be able to make those decisions and absorb everything and change your lifestyle and all these things. And you're like, but what, but what if I'm not ready? Like tiny little voice, like, but what if I am not there yet? Or what if I'm struggling with this one specific thing? Like there need, there doesn't need to be any shame about it. That's smart. Yeah. Just use what you have. You have way more in those moments. It's hard to feel like you have any tools or uh, resources at your disposal to use because you, because it can feel very tunnel. Like, oh man, I feel like a failure in this area. Like I'm nothing. I have nothing, whatever. But when you think, okay, but what do you do? What do you have? Then you can come up with a list of all these things. And how can that sort of help you? Yeah. So that's for me, a new one. That's a new one. And I learned that from my younger brother and I'm like, yeah, use what you have. And like, for me, in terms of storytelling, I am sharing a lot of those family photos that I haven't looked at in a while. And as like inspiration, I'm like, that's wealth that I have that I, didn't consider as wealth before because you're not taught to be like you know like what you see in movies it's like oh family photos well you know but it's just like it's his that's history and your family had a part in history and that's cool because like you know everything everything your grandma went through shaped her she raised your mom or dad everything your mom and dad went through shaped them and they raised you so all of that history is why you are who you are there's a lot of stories there that you can get inspiration from but you like my mom my dad I asked him so you know like those um I started asking them like questions just because like we do zooms every morning and you have to find things to talk about right so um so I was like okay pa like if you're very busy at work how do you manage you know how do you manage and I just I never talked to my parents as though they were people before. Like, they're just my parent. Like, you know, they say something and I obey. Like, that's how I was taught. Mm -hmm. It wasn't told to me. It's just like, that's sort of what I absorbed. And you never really talk to them as though, I'm also the age where I'm like, you know, I guess it's an age thing too. But but my dad was like, yeah, well, I guess like uh, if everything's due the same day, I'm moody. So I kind of just do what I want at the time that I want to do it and try my best to like make sure it gets all done. But in terms of the order, depends on my mood. And that blows my mind because I'd never heard anyone talk about it, about work like that Mm. in, in a way that's like, be kind to your mood and the energy that you're feeling at the moment. Mm. And that's my, this is my dad who like, for me, for the longest time has just this been this like, very patriarchal figure, right? And here he was like saying the most new age thing I'd ever heard (laughs) as it relates to like career, you know? So you'd be surprised with what you have, I guess. I am, I was for sure. I wish I would have asked more stories. I wish I would have asked my grandparents more stories when they were around, you know? 
that's something I definitely, I always told myself, uh, my dad's side is Portuguese and my, and my, um, my grandparents didn't speak English very well, especially my grandmother. And I always mm. told myself when I was a kid, like, so I thought that I could speak Portuguese when I was a little girl. Um, I would say <laughs> I spent a lot of time with them and I would say to my grandmother, I thought if you just added an A or an O to the end of English words, then it was Portuguese. <laughs> so I would tell her like, Aya, Hafa, Tuo, Goa, Tua, the bathroom or whatever. And she would just say like, she would just like tap my, tap my cheek and just say like, oh, that which is like sweetheart in Portuguese. And genuinely, I was like, I just fucking spoke Portuguese. Like I felt <laughs> on the move when I got old enough to realize, no, no, no. She was humoring me. Um, yeah. I always told myself like, learn Portuguese before they're passed so that I can ask them. I can ask my aunts and I can ask, you know, my father and stuff, but it's different from them. And I always wanted yeah. to ask them stories. And I didn't learn Portuguese by the time they passed. And I remember thinking like, oh, like, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I? Yeah. I think it's amazing that you're going through these, these photos and learning more about your family for them, for you, like you said, it, it, it shapes, you know, things that you think, oh, my dad feels this way about me. It's like, no, maybe it's not as much about me as you think it's because his dad and his dad and his dad's yep. mom and all these things. And so I think it's amazing that you're doing that. I think it's become so your family becomes so normalized to you that you don't in the beginning, you just think everyone's family's like that. And then you learn your family's yeah. a little different. And maybe as a kid, you don't like that. So, or something, yeah. you know, and I think it takes, like you said, maybe it's just, we're at the age now where we're looking at them as people and parents and not just, not just parents. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. They will blow your mind. And okay. Mm. So here's another thing that I, I, I learned from uh, this year that I want everyone to know. It's like this, it's a life hack. I don't know. But so <laughs> for my birthday, I demanded that my friends throw me a talent show. And I was like, you're going to do this, 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 this. And it was great. And I, uh, I asked my mom, my mom joined and like, um, which is the first time she'd really seen like kind of a part of my life, which is kind of an amazing thing about Zoom. Mm -hmm. And so when that was done, she's like, I want you to organize that for my birthday, but with my siblings, I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> oh, you did too good of a job. You screwed up. It's easy to ask your performer friends to like put yeah. something together, but like your aunts and uncles. Hmm. Yeah. So I tried, I wanted to do something that was kind of like easy to do and not too like intimidating. So what I did was I put together a bunch of photos to warm them up. Mm -hmm. And so we went through a slideshow of just photos, 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 photos. Right. And like, I was like, if you remember this photo, shout out, like what you know about it. So we went through like maybe 20 and got them warmed up. And then at the end, I was like, all right, well, it's my mom's birthday. So let's take, you know, a turn saying, you know, if you have a story about my mom, share it, or if you just want to share a message. And these are people that I've known all of my life mm. and some of the things that they have they shared were some of the most vulnerable amazing things that even my mom didn't know that they like how they viewed her and they're in their 60s right and like all of my mom I think grew up grew up was growing up was like oh I'm just such a like she's like an older sister right oh, I'm just so, so tough on them you know I feel mm. kind of like a little bit of an outsider, but every single one of them was like, 
I was just so like, I just wanted to be you. You were my big sister. You were the leader. So I would just do whatever, you know, like they, my mom started in an eco club and she was the president of the next year. The next sibling was like, okay, then I became the president the next year that then I became the president. They're like, I don't know why I did it. I just know that you did it because you're my older sister. It's like a sibling legacy. Like that is so freaking sweet. Thinking of them like at, like at a younger age, like a school age doing that. That is yeah. so fucking cute. Like elementary school. But my mom was like, just didn't, just went through life now in her 60s, not knowing that she had that impact on her siblings and their siblings. Like that's your family. It's not like they were estranged, right? And my mom was so overwhelmed that like, so there was the sibling part and then there was just like the family part that at the beginning of our, like just our, our family, she was like, she was like, I, I need to process. <laughs> so we had to end it early, but it's just, it's so powerful. Like you'd be surprised at the stories people have. And so, you know, even I know it's not the same as like having your grandparents around, but you'd be surprised too, like what, what stories, what other stories too that come up if you if you just start it mm-hmm. it's mind-blowing and like for me that was like the biggest part of my healing um this year so yeah I should have the template of that and just share it because I just want everyone to do it to that's a, it, it's amazing I mean even like actually I think hearing my aunts tell stories about my grandparents um but about stories about them before I was alive before I existed. And at that age, like that's even, I think I was like 10, it's hard to comprehend, you know, like, Oh, what yeah. my grandparents were once my age. And, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, like that, that's how it works. <laughs> and hearing, yeah. but hearing stories about like them dating or them like back in Portugal, like all those things that sort of is what ignited the like, I want to learn more about them as people and not just as yeah. my grandparents. I want to learn yeah. about them before I existed, before my, they, you know, and so you're totally right that, that, you know, I, I would probably be so surprised um, and more fulfilled and satisfied than I think even just asking the people who grew up around my grandparents, then, you know, if I can't go right to them. So I will. Yeah. Maybe I'll hit you up for that template, that template, the death template. I'm going to get a couple of style <laughs> templates. True. You. I just, just have a Google no. drive of like Alia's emotion. Yeah, documents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just have a Google <laughs> drive of like, anytime one of us makes a really good, like template, we just send it to the other one. I love oh, what an offering that would be to the community. You're <laughs> welcome in advance. You are so welcome. That'll be our Patreon, but it'll be free. Oh, great. Perfect. Well, I do want to so, so hugely congratulate you on officially publishing and releasing your book of poetry, super important Filipina thoughts. Congratulations. Yeah, That's so fun. It's such a big fucking deal. It looks beautiful. I'm so excited. I pre-ordered mine. I cannot wait to drive. <laughs> I'm so excited to read it. Um, okay. So you shared, you share poetry online as well on Instagram. And mm-hmm. one of the poems that you shared that may or may not have um, made it into the book, bu- into the book, no spoilers. I'm not asking for any spoilers, <laughs> but you wrote this poem and I just want to read it. Okay. And I wanted to ask you about it if that's okay. All right. Yeah. So the poem is quote, today, my body decided to collect the debt. My ambition owes end quote. I swear to God, my bones almost cried. Like I was like, (laughs) that is the last year. And I know in, in, again, in one of the podcasts that you were talking about, you were saying how COVID has sort of forced us 
I am. And of course, like simplifying, cause you spoke about so many other things and how not everybody had the luxury to do this during COVID. So I'm taking this yeah. a bit out of context, but, um, that COVID sort of forced us to slow down and reflect on how reflect on how we're operating and also how we want to operate moving forward, whatever that means into a, mm-hmm. a normal, again, a new normal, whatever the hell anybody's calling it, but forward, mm-hmm. I'm wondering what's a way that you moved through the world prior to COVID that you are no longer, like, you're like, I'm moving through the world differently now. Like I'm not moving through the world that way. I'm changing that way now. Yeah. Um, well, I basically really fell into that trope of like work till 10 PM, bring work home and then wake up at four in the morning and work, 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 Mm -hmm. because you're taught, like, it's kind of like, and and then you can talk about it. Like, man, I worked so hard. I pulled in these many hours. You're praised for it. Oh, she hustled. She, she's such a boss. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. You're not only, are you praising yourself? You are externally praised for it. Yeah. Yeah, like this huge hustle culture and um, what for, right? So two things come to mind. Like, so first of all, like that poem, um, like inspired. So uh, my friend Ophira Kaloff, who's an amazing disabled artist in Toronto, um, I co-produced a show named called Literally Titanium with her, which is basically her story of like, the story is the relationship with between two parts of her. Um, mindy and body. <laughs> mindy is your body. <laughs> so, um, and it's all about how Mindy's ambition, but like they're stuck together, right? But Mindy's ambition brings them to the point where the only way that body can communicate is by shutting down. And so I think about that a lot. And I have thought about that a lot because I never thought of myself as like, many parts it's just like well one part of me wants it so all of me wants it right and and then a big part of this too is like (laughs) getting older you can't okay so you're asking me about like how I moved through life before like to do exams before I would like drink five red bulls and not sleep for two days straight during final seasons and that was like a thing of pride Mm -hmm. you know like look what I just pulled off that I was able to do that yeah yeah do I remember anything that I learned in that time? Did I enjoy what I was studying? Is that something that it's valuable? I'm sure it would have been valuable if I really like absorbed and actually enjoyed it. Like that's a thing I never learned, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, to actually like, oh, you're learning for a specific purpose. Like you're learning all of these things so that you can use it to create something amazing for yourself or to create a framework for understanding life in a way that's satisfying to you. I never thought of that. It always ended with like, look at my grade, mm-hmm. right? So for me, that's just not how I want to live my life anymore. Like, you know, like my ambition has to serve a purpose and it needs to also feed and nourish all of me. And that includes my body. Right. So, so, and I still do it. Like, for example, I did it this weekend where, Mm. (laughs) where I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do this. uh, I'm going to work a 60 hour week because I want to make sure I hit all the deadlines and this people pleasing thing. Cause like I have a, I have a job and I'm like, we have, you know, we have clients and I want to make sure they're satisfied because I couldn't be like, actually we don't have time. So we're (laughs) going to say no to that project. No, we just, because you're scared, right. That it's Mm going to go away. And then I'm like, I'm also going to launch this book and 
right? So I'm still, it's still a thing. It's still a thing that's hard. And that's why on Sunday, I fully crashed. And Monday, I fully crashed. And I think the one thing I can give myself is like, know why that happened and take accountability mm-hmm. for it and mm-hmm. allow it to happen. And just try to be better at like making sure that there's balance, you know? Cause like the more exhausted, you know what, this is funny because like, you know, the, those. <laughs> you know like investment bankers like we always think of them as like a certain way and there's this all this news about how they're pulling 90 hour weeks right these 90 hour weeks doing what no, no offense <laughs> to any investment bankers but like i never understood what they did okay so i don't know if investment bankers are exactly like the demographic that are listening to the podcast but if you're okay, listening well, no what offense. do you do <laughs> what do but you anyway, do like, oh. Yeah, but there was like rightfully a few younger investment bankers who I think again things are shifting right and they're now advocating they're like we don't want to do 90 hour weeks nobody should do that yeah but the investment banks were like all right don't work Saturdays then and I'm like they're not supposed to work Saturdays that's not a compromise (laughs) that's not a thing but like even from a money standpoint if you think about it because you're always like oh investment bankers are rolling in the dough I'm like if you do like a as a wage they're making 20 bucks an hour Mm. which like I would rather make 20 bucks an hour for 40 hours a week and live within my means and have family time have leisure time that's a complete life Mm -hmm. and that's that's sort of like where capitalism gets us right because like you know retail therapy is a thing like so you spend 90 hours trying to trying to get this salary, which in theory is a lot in absolute terms. So you justify it by like, oh, for me to have a fulfilling life and have this salary, I'm going to get the car. I'm going to get the house. I'm going to, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't need that. (laughs) You don't need that. And, and like transposing that to myself, I'm like living within my means and like actually doing the thing that I want. Like now I have a few things that, that are like non-negotiables, like family time, before the pandemic, I would talk to my family like once every two weeks. And the conversation was, I was like, how's the weather? What are you up to? Mm-hmm. And my mom, to protect all of our mental health, she was like, we're going to Zoom every day. It was oh. exhausting <laughs> at times. It was exhausting at times, yeah. but I look forward to it now. And if we, if it doesn't happen, I call my mom, be like, I'm sorry, I missed it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a non-negotiable now. And that's an hour and a half in my, on my morning that I absolutely cannot give to work anymore. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm like, you know, what makes my life, what really lights me up that more, that morning coffee, like just when like the light is just like kind of streaming the morning light. I have to do that. Cause it makes me so happy to be yeah. awake. Mm-hmm. So that becomes a non-negotiable. So a few of those like building blocks of making like a really satisfying date does help me keep me accountable to like, okay, you had a good day mm-hmm. instead of like, well, scroll. I do, I do know when I'm stressed, I, I buy more Uber Eats, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I buy more Uber Eats. All my money goes to Uber Eats. And so I have to work more and then I'm stressed. It's, it's a cycle. Like, let's just break, break it, just break it. Yeah. You know? So yeah. Yeah. When I think about how I was living before March, 2020, I don't, I don't know how I was doing that. Like, I don't know how I was able to, I'm tired when I think of it. Like, I don't like, how how was I doing that many jobs and that many things and saying yes to that many people and that many, like, 
now I'm like, no, or, you know, sometimes I add a few things to my day. I'm like, okay, I've had a full day. I'm tired. Like, and there was a little bit of like, oh my God, maybe I can't produce the same amount and everybody, but I think you're right. It's like a lot of it is also quality. Like maybe I won't do 12 projects. Maybe I'll do three and I'll love them instead of doing 12 that I feel mediocre about. And if anything, I mean, mediocre to me is worse than hating it. Like I don't want anything. I want to feel something. I don't want it to be mediocre, you know? So like, I have to ask you, Ali, like how, okay, this, this feels like a very out of left field, but I do know (laughs) that during COVID you went from having zero plants to having 52 plants and I can see some (laughs) of your beautiful babies behind you. Okay. So first of all, how the hell, um, Mm -hmm. I know, I know you like mentioned that caring for your plants has sort of taught you about like self-care, about like caring for yourself. Yeah. How are you not exhausted by having 52 babies, but also, yeah. Like what, what has it, what has it sort of taught you about like caring for yourself? I have one and I will be asking you how a little tip (laughs) or something. I have one. I'm trying desperately to keep her alive. She's doing great. Her name's Bethany. I love her, but yeah. How are you keeping 52 alive? How are you not exhausted? And, and what has it sort of taught you about? Could you elaborate on it? Yeah. Teaching you how to care for yourself in a different way. Yeah. Well, first question, easy. I am not, I have not kept 52 alive. (laughs) We started with zero. We're at 52. Now we are at the four behind you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, this is it. Uh, Some have passed and you know what? That's a part, that's a part of it, right? Like it's unfortunate, but like, that's also what happens when you decide to go from zero to 52. So, um, so the second question was, how are you not exhausted? It was like, okay, some some days where I'm like really tired, I'm like, oh, I really have to water the plants. Uh, that does happen and it gets exhausting. But for the most part, it's like, they give so much joy and life. Mm. You know, it's like a balance. So how it started was, I actually, before the pandemic was convinced I had like a like it was terrible I killed all my plants like I would buy a plant once in a while you know like the grocery ones because you get on a whim and you're like and then it dies and you're like all right I suck at this <laughs> but at the office we had five plants and so when everything shut down so we had left the plants because we didn't know how long yeah and so after a month we were like all right well this is going to be a while mm. so I went back to the office and brought all those plants home And then I kind of like noticed that they were outgrowing their pots. So I got in, so I made this project for myself where I would like repot them and like, you know, so from five plants, it became like 10. (laughs) (laughs) So that's so 10 already. Um, (laughs) And I just really enjoyed it. And a part of it too, like at the moment, like, cause we were, remember, we were like very isolated in the beginning, like, you know, and I live by myself. So for me it was just like it was and I didn't go outside at all because I was just so frightened so it was a really nice way for me to like busy myself so at the moment like it was like it was that and then and then it kind of snowballed because like I started (laughs) my apartment like because I before the pandemic I was really like my apartment's just a place where I slept I ate and showered and otherwise I was outside doing shows or like hustling right So my apartment did not feel like a home. And as soon as I brought plants in, it started to feel like a home and I started to care about it more. Mm -hmm. And the thing is like with the, with plants, like 
and I had a lot of time to focus on them and their different needs. And like, it's really jarring to see a plant be dehydrated and then you give it a glass of water and it, and you're kind of like, oh man, I skip water so much. Like, what am I doing to my own body? Right. So, mm. so it's even that. And just also like the fact that you just have to know that every single plant needs a very specific thing to survive. And that makes you, it's so easy to draw parallels between caring and cultivating plants and watching them grow and thrive and like how humans are. It's not that far where like, it's not. So, so for me, I'm like, there's a lot of moments where it's sure it's a lot of doing, but a lot of it is like a break. It's like lots of people do gardening because it's meditative. I'm not the kind of person who can sit and meditate, but while I'm gardening, I can just switch off and think about the plants and, you know, um, my balcony, like I focus my balcony on food, on food that on food. Right. So I had like kale, tomatoes, herbs and stuff. And there's nothing. It was just so satisfying to be able to feed yourself something that you grew and cared for. Mm. Um, it, it kind of grounds, grounds a lot because like you take for granted your vegetables. And for me, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I take food <laughs> for granted. Um, yeah. So I, lo- I I really I was like, uh, I wish I wish it was part of like school curriculum because mm. I learned a lot about, and sometimes it just like takes the time. So for example, I had this really tough plant, like this fiddle leaf fig, and I, I did, I lost it ultimately, but at, but it's this tricky, tricky, tricky plant where it's like, it's really finicky and it really needs stability to survive. Otherwise it dies, hmm. you know? And we don't give ourselves that kind of care and attention. Some of us, are absolutely, you know, beautiful people, but just really need secure, like you can't get knocked around. Like it's not everyone's the same. And so I knocked it around, was a bit reckless with it and it, it, and it passed, but it didn't mean it wasn't beautiful while it was there. Right. So just like these, again, like the, just finding the parallels in like the stories and like how, how plants like kind of bloom when they do and then fade away when like when things aren't quite right and Mm. how that translates to myself too so yeah so yeah so I but it is it gets exhausting but it also (laughs) kind of like you you get into a rhythm of it and it's Mm -hmm. kind of nice the one thing is like now the the big difference is like now I need a house sitter right yeah you can't yeah when if if it ever happens where you're traveling you're uh yeah you're gonna be like Hey, could I have a house sitter? No, for my plants. No problem. What you have like two or three? No. So at this point I have 47. Um, I will yeah. need you to, and here is the, here's the, the, the schedule, like how you do it, I like know. a little pup or like a little baby. I have like a, like a, an onboarding training manual, you know, I'm really investing in a Nessie cause he's my neighbor. So, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. okay, a Nessie slowly. I just teach him about it. He doesn't know, but he Absolutely. knows a lot about plants already. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he's learned so much. Yeah. Like, you know, this fiddle leaf fig, it takes a lot. <laughs> he's like, really? He's like, no, no, no. I need to tell you on our next blur court chat. Like I'm going to specifically talk about this plant. You know what I, oh my gosh, you know what I just thought? Like I'm manifesting this, but I'm also realizing maybe it's inappropriate to be asking. <laughs> I would think it would be so fun to read a poetry book that you wrote about like each poem is from a personified perspective of each different plant and like 
you know, like, I'm just thinking like, they are all different people. Like maybe it's the type of person that they need validation every so often. Maybe it's this type of person. I'm like, oh my God, I want to know the stories of all of your plants. Like I want to know what each of them need and what they love and what scares them. Am I, is this the wine? That's what I want to hear. I want to hear the stories of all of your plants. I think that's amazing. I actually was like, uh, being like a goofball. I was like, what's, what sketches, <laughs> what sketch review has heard. <laughs> oh. But also, Amanda, like that could be a thing you do. It could be a thing that I do. And my plant, okay, so she is a, I'm probably, I might be saying this wrong, a ficus lorata. Oh my God, yes. Good or bad, oh my God. Yeah, that's the cousin of the fiddle leaf. Okay. So she, her name's Bethany. My partner, I always, I always wanted a house plant and my partner bought me one as a gift. And I have to say like during, I, I, a while ago, like I left my apartment when things were, uh, you know, getting pretty bad in Toronto and just bunkered down in my mom's house for like a good chunk of months. And I missed her. Like I, I was excited to come back and I was like, I, what is wrong with me? Or like, is that a thing? Like I, I look at her now as a child of mine, like my dog and my plant Bethany. Yep. So is there any like tip or trick you have for a ficus Lerata, Lerata, Lerata? Oh man, don't, don't over, over water them. That's, that's what's, they're, they're like some of the most difficult plants. To, and like, if you've had it for a long time, then, you know, you're, you've got a tail it and you get a, you know, you can do it. Cause, um, but yeah, tips, I think from what I understand is they don't necessarily love direct sunlight, indirect sunlight, and, um, they have to dry out between waterings. Those are the technical things. Um, otherwise, I don't know, man, like, I think, I think plants are very like uh, susceptible to energies too. Mm. So I'll put crystals around her. Great. I think if yours is thriving, then you've got nothing to worry about. She's doing, she's very resilient, which I feel like I hope she gets from her mom. I feel like I'm (laughs) resilient and I feel like she's been very resilient. And my partner tried to get me like an easy, like a beginner's plant. But then as I started YouTubing and researching her, I was like, I don't know if she's the easiest plant that he maybe (laughs) could have gotten me, but she's doing really, I get every couple of weeks. Yeah. She has to go bone dry. And then I'm supposed to drench her. I give her a full shower for a little while, wipe her down, give her, I talk to her. I mean, yeah, I think she's happy. I help. Yeah. You may get a photo from me in a little while being like, oh my God, what do I do? And you're just being like, just Google it. Like, leave me alone. Don't make me do the work of your therapist. Go Google it. <laughs> you be like, wouldn't be the first person to <laughs> yeah. be like, it's so funny. There was like a time I literally, because that's all I talked about for a while. People assumed that I'd had plants for a long time. So if I would yeah. get questions like, yeah, what do you do with them seasonally? I'm like, I literally have had this plant for two months. So I I've don't had this know, for less but... than one season. I have no idea yeah. what I'm going to do. It keeps me up at night. Yeah. I have no idea. So people will send me like photos of their wilted plants and I'm like <laughs> Googling them by description because I'm too embarrassed to be like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and be like, yeah, you do this. And, but, but now I feel like I have a pretty good sense for them. I talk about it enough, but it's so funny. Like there was a period of time that my Instagram was just plants. Yeah. And there's like a whole group of people who 
I didn't know were following me, but were really into that. Someone actually drove from Markham, I think, to drop me off a cutting because they were just like, love what you do. Here's, yeah. and it's like someone we know, it's like in our community, right? Yeah. But it was like, so that's a big, that's a long commute to drive for, with I a cutting. Mean, I feel like they were on the, like, coming, right. but still, I was like, we don't, we're not, well, we are friends, I guess, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't drive to Scarborough to see, like, if a Nessie lives in Scarborough, I don't think I would do that. <laughs> there are a few people I would go very far to see. It's so sad. It's like the other, it's so funny. If it's the other side of Toronto, sometimes I'm like, oh, it's so far. <laughs> Which, like, I have a friend who lives, I have friends who live in the East End. Yeah. Cause like as a solo person, like you can bubble with a house. Right. Mm-hmm. And they, my friend has like a beautiful house, a cat and a dog is a beautiful mm-hmm. garden. He cooks, he bakes. And I'm like, but you live in, you live in the East end. And it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. <laughs> like they go to the cottage in the summer. There's literally every reason for me to be part of that bubble, but I'm like, you know, really too far. Well, and then you go to LA and it blows my mind that like, I remember one day it's just so large, but people just travel large. Like for my birthday, my friend that I was staying with wanted to take me to Venice beach. Cause I had never been. And we hopped in an Uber or a Lyft or something. And I was just curious. So I calculated the, like the distance between where we were going and Venice beach. I'm like, do you do this often? Yeah. Yeah. No problem. It was driving from like Union Station, like, I guess Central, I chose Union Station, Toronto to Oakville. Like that was normal. And I thought, I won't even go to Cabbage Town. Like, what do you mean? That's, so it's just, yeah, it's wild. Like, anyway, yeah. putting things into perspective. Um. Okay, well, I want to wrap up with you. I don't want to, I'm going to. We're, we're coming in. So I just wanted to, Um. at the end, I like to ask some sort of like a handful of like quick questions to you. Mm-hmm. I say quick, like whatever you want, whatever feels good to you, but sort of some, right. some quicker questions. Yeah. I won't yeah. be like, so what have you learned about your self-care routine? Like it won't be okay. as like, here we'll we be here for another hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It won't be those kind of questions. Um, okay. So my first one is who is somebody that you've really wanted to collaborate with that you haven't gotten to yet? Oh my gosh. Oh, what a question. Yeah. Maybe I did put you, maybe this is a, <laughs> Okay, there, there is, there is. So there's this artist in Texas. So, okay, a little background to this short answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of my projects is like, the things that I want to do is like collaborate with like artists to create an edition, mm. just like as an excuse to, to get to know them. So I just want to create like a collaborative edition and like, we're not even doing it to make money, but it's just like, the goal of it is to create a piece that's accessible so people can buy it and support the artist and also have beautiful art in their home. Mm. So one of the artists is Matt Manalo, who's like this amazing Filipinx artist in Texas, who I found through that Tita Instagram. I was going to ask. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, Matt. Yeah. I hope you're listening to this. I know. Hit up Alia. But it's it's one of those things though. I could force it, but I also mm-hmm. am like, you know what? The time will come. It'll happen. It'll happen when it's naturally supposed to happen. Totally. Um, okay. I think I'm using this word properly. You know, when like you, I think it's called a rider. Like if I was Mariah Carey and I had a green room, yes. a rider. Yeah. Okay. That's like the list yeah. of things they have to have in their green room or whatever. Right. That's a rider. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. What is something that you would have to have in your rider? 
grapefruit bubbly. <laughs> oh, uh, I have some in my fridge. Maybe I'll go drink some I of this. So love good. grapefruit bubbly. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, grapefruit bubbly and Wi-Fi. I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love the, in the router. It's like, you have to have Wi-Fi. Like, cause I picture if anyone got there and they didn't have Wi-Fi, they'd be like, I didn't think I had to put that in the rider. Like it needs to be here. I just, it's like, can't be a thing. Like I can't accidentally not ask for it and it not be there. It just and it not happen. That's the worst thing that could happen to me. Be in a place that has no internet access. Sorry. Sorry. No. Gone. Not happening. No. No cottages yeah. with the East End friends, unless it has Wi-Fi. I will say this though. If I really had like star power at that point, I'd be yeah. like, I need to have like, um, like a charcuterie platter. Yes. Go star, go star quality. You are a star. Are you joking? You know what I mean, but I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Cause it's sometimes it's wasteful, but like, I'm thinking like, like, yeah, just like a charcuterie platter, a yes. nice, beautiful charcuterie platter. Mm. And like, let's say if I'm being really picky. Yeah, be I guess. picky. Be Mariah Carey. I don't know if she's picky, not to shame her. She deserves it. Take up the space. Uh, yeah. And then a bar of, you know, what's the best? Cho- I don't even love chocolate that much, but like President's Choice, like that $4.99 bar. It has a huge one, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. I don't know. My partner what buys that one. Yes. It's like the perfect, it's not fancy, but it's like, if you want a chocolate, that's a chocolate. That's a chocolate. You want a chocolate to suck on so that it tastes like after you have the aftertaste. That's a chocolate. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. So chocolate charcuterie board and um, grapefruit bubbly and you best be having yeah. Wi-Fi or like, oh my gosh, things will happen. Yeah. Like, why am I even I mean, here? Why not? Yeah. Like, why are we not having Wi-Fi? I love that. Oh, what's something that you've wanted to write a poem about that you haven't yet? Ooh, uh, I, I don't have many poems about my family actually. Mm. So, so that, so that, yeah, um, yeah, I think we're working up to it. We're working up to it. All it's right. getting there. It's yeah. in the works. Okay. I love that. Yeah. Um, what is something, what's like a character trait about yourself or what's something that you've learned since you started performing and doing art professionally like what is something that your art has taught you about yourself uh that my superpower is that uh, that vulnerability is a superpower and I don't mean to sound like Ben A. Brown but like (laughs) um which if you haven't seen it check it out but yeah so that vulnerability and I guess just it's funny because like when I started doing art or or performing I always thought it it I always thought it had to look a certain way Mm. you know but the more I just did specifically what I want and what I need and art that I need and for it to actually I need to do this art because it means something to me that's when I started doing my own my best stuff that people were interested in which was which is still bizarre to me because it feels self-indulgent like we're taught Mm. that when you do things like that it it's self-indulgent, but it's not because that's, um, the thing that you're most equipped to talk about is like your personal experience. And it's an interesting journey. It's so complicated. Like your relationship with yourself is a lot of work. Um, and that's where the art is, you know, exploring that. I used to think that my family was like, kind of like not relevant, (laughs) weirdly, Mm not in a bad way. You just take them for granted. They're in your background. You just assume that they're in you, but like actively seeking out 
their participation and like their stories and bringing that into my art. If you see like my book, the way I talk about it, it's like it's a family business. And that's on purpose because a question that I used to get asked a lot as part of the TETA collective and the panels and a lot, and it's a very Filipino Canadian experience is that, what do your parents say about you being a, choosing to be an artist? Mm. And for me, this is like the choice to like bring them into this artistic journey and having a very big, big say in it is like, like interrogating that kind of weird notion that your parents hate that you're an artist. It's not true. Parents don't hate that you're an artist. They're concerned for your mm -hmm. well-being because mm -hmm. being an artist is hard. But it's important to not conf conflate those things, right? Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. So I think like doing the things that I want to do and only the things that I want to do isn't necessarily self-indulgent. That's that's the thing that I've learned. Oh. I'm also going to soundbite that and play it to myself before I go to sleep <laughs> that. Thank you. Um, okay. And my last one for you, Alia is what's something that you're feeling grateful for today? Oh, I'm grateful for a reason to buy a whole bottle of Jailor because <laughs> I haven't really, this is why I couldn't find. So people don't know this, but like, uh, I couldn't find my wine opener, my corkscrew because I hadn't opened a, Okay. <laughs> I had an open a wine that wasn't a twist off because <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> I had one recently it came with like a thing and that was a twist off so I didn't have to find my corkscrew but I didn't have a yeah I'm grateful for that but I'm also you know it's weird it's weird it's weird to be grateful for like the pandemic it's weird mm. um I think it's a terrible thing that's happening and so many things are, are terrible. And the thing that I'm grateful for, and the thing that I think is my community, my community is really stepping up. And like, we're also learning, we're not perfect. There are, there are members in the community that have problematic things that they still need to unlearn and have their own things. But I really feel like in this trying, in these trying times, people are stepping up mm. and it's inspiring to me. The, the way they're stepping up and I'm grateful for it because there are people who like we've all had dark times in the pandemic and some some someone just like texts and like hey you good or someone's like I'm gonna send you brie literally so like <laughs> one of my friends sent me two wheels of brie because I was feeling low and I, I was like what <laughs> you know um mm. yeah I also did a fundraiser recently for my book launch mm -hmm. and it's and it was for this like city jail in the philippines a small island called um ilo ilo or city sorry um and these women are they're in prison because they are waiting to go on trial for drug charges right and you can be in those prisons for four to eight years just waiting um anyway there's a whole backstory to that but someone goes in and does arts programming because now they can do things on zoom but their computers their computer was going bust so they would it, it was challenging to get that and so i was like you know what i think my community can can do this so we're like we'll buy you a laptop right mm -hmm. so i put it out there the fundraiser i fully intended it to go all the way through april because i'm like okay i'm gonna ask you guys to fund uh, for two thousand bucks people donated in like two days <laughs> we did in two days and the, this is a community of artists who they're the ones they're they're struggling the most and they still found a way to give which is beautiful so that I'm very beautiful. grateful I am very grateful to them so yeah 
That was a short answer. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know what? I say short answer. And then every, and then I'm like, well, I didn't set you up well for that. I asked you, yeah, it needs to be like, what's your favorite food? Even that I panic in answering. I think that's beautiful. And I do want to say in the, um, episode description, um, I will be listing your social medias there and please pop over. I go to your Instagram and or Facebook, like every other day, at least I love what you post. I am inspired. I learn a lot. Like I just, it's, I really value, I really value your social media presence, whatever, who am I like a very cool hip young chick right now. Um, but no, it was beautiful what you did with the fundraiser and also just like brought awareness to that situation. Like, I think you said that it was, I might, I might be getting these numbers wrong, but that the prison was designed or that it was structured in in order to hold like 20 or 30 human beings. And actually it was like 30, yeah, 30. And isn't it like 200 people, 200 women are being held there. Yeah. So at the most there have been 237 specifically right now. So I got an update, like they're down to 120. So some people have left, but 120 people in a 30 person thing is not, is still it's still for an indefinite amount of time. Like also I can't imagine being there and not it's, you don't, even if you did know, even if they said this is going to be for a week, no, but you don't know it could, it's, you know, it could be year. Anyway, I, I think it's amazing what you've done and you're right. I mean, it's beautiful how the community can come together and you're a huge leader in that momentum in the community coming together as a collective and always you know, sort of highlighting and leading by example, how we are a collective, whether we want to admit it or act like it or not, we are a collective, whether it's the arts community, your friendship group, your family, the arts community, the comedy community, Toronto, the fucking world, like we're a community, we're a collective. So what we do or don't do affects other people. And that's not, that's not like a punishment or that's not that kind of, it's just, you have the power to affect other people. So I think that can be inspiring. And also it's wonderful that they can affect you. We just have to use it for good, you know? So just, you are lovely and wonderful. And thank you for <laughs> giving your time to me today. And I just, six years in the making, I'm so glad I had a one-on-one chat with you, Alia. <laughs> so thank you yeah. for doing this with me today. Thank you for having me. This was really lovely. And what a lovely way to drink and spend a night. <laughs> drink and spend a night. <laughs>